What's up? My name is Alex Terranova. I am the host of the Dream Mason podcast. Welcome. We started this in 2017 because we wanted to highlight the journey of Dream Masons. There's a Dream Mason in all of us. A Dream Mason is someone who is awake to their dreams and driven by the passion, the purpose, and the desire to turn that dream into reality. We interview athletes, gold medalists, Super Bowl champions, artists, creatives, eight, nine-figure entrepreneurs, spiritual leaders, and everyone in between. And sometimes we even walk them through challenges that they're currently facing. So depending on whether you're catching this as a regular interview or a playing with problems segment, there is something for you, whether you're at the peak of your journey, at the low point of your journey. I look forward to having you join me on this journey. And I hope that this show helps you unleash your inner Dream Mason. What's up? Welcome back to the Dream Mason podcast. I'm your host, Alex Terranova. This is a uh, this is an episode that I feel like is long overdue. Um, I don't normally force episodes to happen. I like allow them to like kind of flow in, read the, meet the right people, find myself being like, "Oh, I want to do an episode around this." And um, I say it's an episode that's long overdue because um, I spent so much of my life and had some really cool experiences with some plant medicine recently that like had me have some breakthroughs around this. But I spent so much of my life. Um, not thinking that I was enough in all sorts of ways that then had me do things to compensate for that not enoughness. So for instance, I don't remember the earliest moments of why I thought like, why as a child, I thought I wasn't enough. I can tie some of it to like school being hard, not thinking I was smart, um, having people like compliment me on things just like my looks or sports. And thinking, oh, well, I just should lean into those things. I remember as an early age, like in the 80s and the 90s, the the coolest, like the best guys, the coolest guys were the ones that got the girls, like on all the TV shows and on all the movies. Um, but for as long as I remember, so much of my self-worth came from attention from women. Um, and so from as early as like fifth grade, I remember being like, I need to like get the girl and then that actually only filled me up for a minute. So then I had to get a different girl and then a different, and we just were in this hamster wheel forever. And for so long, it's funny how that actually was like, made me more unfulfilled because it's almost like um, either doing a drug or alcohol or even sugar where we have this hit, we're like, we want this thing, we get it. And we think it's going to satisfy that urge, but then we just need more and more and more and more because the thing that we actually need is something else. It's a compensation, right? So today's podcast uh, is going to be fun because we're going to talk about seduction. We're going to talk about uh, the differences between seduction and manipulation and coercion. We're going to talk about the nice guy. We're going to talk about the difference between maybe the nice guy and the good guy. Um, I think we're going to talk about how this idea of how men become jerks to get women and how we've been sort of conditioned that like the bad guy, the rock star, the like guy who kind of is like aloof, like that there's something about that, that like it works, but it actually doesn't. Um, so recently I met someone who is an expert in this. <laughs> and as we were talking, we were talking about the retreats that I host. We were talking about masculinity. We were talking about, um, dating and, and just just all these different topics. And I was like, you got to come on my podcast. I would love to have this conversation. I think this conversation 
is going to be valuable for single men. I think this conversation is going to be valuable for men in relationships. I think this is going to be valuable for men who have been in relationships for a long time. I also think it's going to be really valuable for women to mm. hear from a woman who's our guest, but also to kind of see behind the scenes of the way men are thinking, the way men are doing things. Because I think we make up so many stories about all sorts of things about how other people are how other people are behaving we make up what that means about us um whether they like us or not how we're doing whatnot so um let me introduce you to our my guest so she she has a um a very cool job her <laughs> business is called the sedux and she is a seduction expert she helps singles go from clueless to coupled and couples go from meh. <laughs> I don't even know how to do that. She turns, she helps couples turn things, get things hotter, um, and help people, people that are brokenhearted, which I love because I have a big belief that love only exists inside of a world with heartbreak. They can't mm -hmm. exist separate. If you're not willing to get your heartbreak, hope broken, you can never deeply love. And the depth to which you're willing to surrender to heartbreak. Is the, is the range in which you are really able to experience like love. Um, so she has uh, worked as a New York celebrity photographer for 12 years. She has a degree in anthropology. She had an 11 year, an 11 year long passion for personal development. And uh, she's turned all of this into coaching. And she spent plenty of time for herself being single, dating. Um, and she says from like A-list celebrities to regular guys and everything <laughs> in between. Amber DeVos, thank you for being here. How are you? Wow, Alex, thank you for that introduction. I couldn't have said it better myself. I'm great. I'm so happy to be here. How are you? I'm doing really good. I, uh, as I said in that intro, I had a, I, I recently had an amazing plant medicine ceremony that felt like it felt like two puzzle pieces mm -hmm. got like put in place the way they were supposed to mm -hmm. and and for like the first like we do a lot of conscious work right coaching therapy whatever but there was something internal that got locked in that was like this story of not enoughness mm -hmm. is so not true it's mm -hmm. so not your and it's not even yours it's like the whole world's like how many people are trying to get the partner, the girl, the guy, the car, the house, the job, the money, because they think it's going to make them feel a certain way. Mm -hmm. And I had this full realization that like, that is the matrix we're living in is we have a whole world built on. If we, if we make people think they're not enough to varying degrees, it builds like a very powerful economy that fuels the world, um, which is fine. And also really sad. Uh, so I'm great. I'm on the other side of that. And I felt like reborn almost. Well, can I counter? Yeah, please. Sure. Well, first of all, I think plant medicine is amazing. I mean, hello, it's dirt, sunshine, and a seed. Like how much more pure can you get to the distance <laughs> of creation? Right. So I think, yes, like I'm not enough. I'm not enough. Absolutely. That's one of the things that we all struggle with in our lives. And I invite you to reframe it as it's the challenge that you've been given and the time that you are in this in this spiritual plane, right? And I know I'm a seduction expert and we're going to talk about the fun stuff and when we have an hour together, we'll get into it. But I think there's something about if we reframe that I'm not enough to challenge accepted, then all of a sudden we're empowered around that feeling like there's another level that I should be at that I'm not at. 
right? So that's where a lot of us go wrong and not, not wrong, but where we suffer in life. Is it like, oh, I'm not enough. And I feel really bad about that. Whereas if we go, yeah, currently I'm not enough, but I know that I'm capable of more. Therefore, I'm going to take on the challenge. I'm going to take on the actions, the conversations, the communications, the ways of being, whatever, the the plant medicine journeys that are necessary for me to get to the next level. And then all of a sudden we get to reframe problems, right? Because problems is the economical, social, common way that we look at these things. But if we reframe them as opportunities, all of a sudden we get empowered when shit falls down. And I, are we allowed to swear? <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, we, yeah, we are. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think there's like a subtle, cause I, I'm with you. Like I totally, I love the idea that every challenge is an opportunity that like the, that if you look at nature, nature will burn down something. Mm-hmm. So it fertilizes the soil and it regrows. There's a, something I learned recently that was like every, the five extinction events throughout history mm-hmm. were actually what moved evolution forward. That yeah. those, those, those horrific, crazy events is what made the next level bloom. Mm-hmm. And I think that we can get caught up in the, if I don't think I'm enough. And so I'm doing things to like I, external things to prove it, then I'm in, like, I'm pouring in that empty cup. So one of the ways I've been like looking at this is, am I growing my business because I think I should, mm. or because I'm supposed to, or because if I get it to a certain place, I'll feel a certain way. Mm-hmm. Or am I tapping into what actually feels really good now and doing that? And and the and and I can still want it to grow. I can still want to do things. I'm not like it's not like, hey, know that the not enough isn't real. So sit on the couch and watch net and watch Netflix. But it's like, what's motivating you? Is it this idea to like compensate that you're not enough? Or mm-hmm. simply to like, I want to do this project because it excites me and lights me up. And so that's why I'm gonna go do it. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, I think there's something about impact as well, mm-hmm. right? That's the purpose of a business is that you impact the world. So you and I are, are really blessed that we're in the area of being present with what people are struggling with and listening to it and hearing it and getting it and then helping them reframe it one way or the other. Just yeah. really that empowerment around the things that typically for most of us without that support network, we're just like, oh my God, this again? why am I still struggling with this thing? Whereas when you're part of a community, when you're part of uh, a greater understanding that all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute, first of all, I'm not alone. And second of all, this is actually part of being human. I think it was Wayne Dyer that I heard it from. I'm not sure if it's his quote, but he said, we're all spiritual beings having human experiences. Yeah, I love that because then all of a sudden it's like, ooh, it's actually fun to be human. Because look at like, here's, it's like a video game. You know, where all of a sudden you've got this challenge and you can't get to the next level until you defeat the, you know, the monster and you collect enough of the coins and you have enough adventures. You know, if we look at life the same way, then all of a sudden it becomes kind of fun. It becomes really intriguing. It becomes really interesting. And that never negates the fact that tough stuff is going to come down the pipeline. But rather, it's almost as if you become the captain and Mm -hmm. you the challenges because when we're comfortable there's, there's no growth in comfort why because you're comfortable i mean are you really like creating a ton of stuff when you're laying in your bed and your sheets are fresh and you're so cozy and warm like no you just want to stay there you want to be there it's not a space of creation that's a space of relaxation yeah. relaxation yeah 
challenge and stuff gets difficult, then all of a sudden it's like, ooh, all right, fun. Let's let's talk about this. What was the challenge that you found yourself in that had you were like, I'm going to become a seduction expert? Yeah. Well, I think the journey actually started long before this particular business. I was a celebrity and event photographer in New York City for over 12 years. I worked with uh, the top agencies, the top magazines, Patrick McMullen, Women's Wear Daily, Vogue, Getty Images. I mean, I was at the top parties with A-lists. You can't believe the things that I was able to photograph. And you can Google it if you'd like to, to see some of my work. But I am a girl from the mountains of Lake Tahoe who grew up with natural hair, no makeup, no high heels. I'm not even sure if I owned a tube of lipstick until maybe like my senior year of high school when prom came around. And there was once a time a year to actually like dress up and put makeup on. So when I moved to New York City, I was fresh from the mountains. Now, mind you, I believe that I'm a New Yorker born in the wrong state. So when I got to New York, I'd never been there before. I didn't know anybody. But I was like, I am home and I know what I'm here to do. I know what I know what I'm here to accomplish. So when I became that event and celebrity photographer, I was going to these amazing parties with the most chic and beautiful and wealthy people in New York City. And I'm like a girl from the mountains. Right. So it's like I just show up and people are like, OK, like what what, you know, backwater country are you from? I mean, it wasn't that terrible, but I'm making fun <laughs> But the point is, is that I saw these fabulous people around me, which I'd never seen before. So thanks to my best friend in the whole world. And I'm going to do a little plug here. His name is Inoue Sal Miranda. He's a Venezuelan fashion stylist. I mean, unbelievable. He's writing scripts for TV shows. But this is my best friend in the world. And I'll tell you this. He, We were walking one day because I was still struggling as a New Yorker. And I had five jobs. And I was walking dogs. And we were walking together because he helped me get the job. And he looked me up and down and he said, Amber, he's like, you're absolutely beautiful. He's like, we got to do something about this. He's like, you need lipstick or lotion or something. <laughs> it's like, what? So it was through him that I made friends who actually taught me how to dress and wear high heels and do my hair and wear makeup and be present and have social skills. And so by the time at the end of my career as a celebrity and event photographer, I became a socialite. I was invited to parties. I was so mm. showing up in the social pages. I was able to talk to some of the most important people in the world with ease because I had worked so hard on getting that that's the level that I needed to operate at. Mm. Now, did I have to go through a lot of humility and realize like, yeah, girl, you're not an heiress. Your parents didn't leave you millions of dollars in a trust fund that you can go and have a six-figure clothing budget to go shopping with, right? So this is the world that I was operating in, but I was able to gain enough social skills, confidence, charisma, communication, connection to be able to flow in that world in such a way that like a girl from the mountains of Lake Tahoe, like it's pretty, it's pretty impressive if I may say so myself. <laughs> so the point is, is that I, I be it became aware that like it's very you have to have charm you have to be present to other people you have to understand that you need to be able to connect with others in such a way that they feel good around you so that you have access you create teamwork mm. so okay i love this because you're like this is something that's really i think some of our biggest problems that exist are because we isolate ourselves we we it actually is a super old story. Like Dar Darwin's idea, like survival of the fittest has us all like focus on ourselves, like try to be the best, most powerful version we can be, put ourselves over others. It's like, right, race to the top and, and try to get ahead of. And 
what people are really learning it's and Dar- darwin this theory has actually been proven wrong that the most that people survive and thrive in community mm-hmm. when they're with other people and if you look at our world especially men i mean this is the world that you're in supporting men the men that are often the men that are struggling the most are there i would say there's two groups mm-hmm. one is these guys that are like isolated they don't have friends they're in their basements they're playing video games their social skills are not and i don't mean any none of this is bad play video games being whatever but they're disconnected they don't have community they don't have friendships they don't have deep relationships a lot of and that's not even necessarily their fault it's like the the social media and the world we live in has created this Um, and then i would say there's the on the other side of the spectrum men that have become very successful Mm-hmm. that have in their success have isolated themselves they 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 don't have vulnerability they're you know their money they have money they have the big important things and they're not able to connect with the people around them that deeply matter yeah. and we're, and and the consequences for both unfortunately are are high rates of suicide stress plenty of things um but i love that what that i brought came to that because you were just talking about what people really need and want is like that charm, the presence to others, to people want to feel good and they want to feel good around each other. Yeah. Connection, connection, just being connected with other people, being able to connect with a random stranger. I mean, there's so much social anxiety, which is ironic because we're so social on social media, right? But when it comes to being in person, it can be a bit paralyzing to be in the presence of someone, right? So, you know, that's kind of where I was going with what I was sharing earlier as a as a professional photographer and working with the very top level people kind of starting not down at the bottom, but from humble beginnings was just like, how do you get to connect with these people? How do you be able to walk into their sphere and they feel safe and comfortable? Because I like to say photographers are kind of like dentists, right? People need us and yet they're terrified of us (laughs) being in front of the camera. So it's like you have to have a real skill set to make people feel safe and comfortable and not only just safe and comfortable, but like I'm ready for my close up, Mr. DeMille, you know? So there there is a certain skill set that goes with it. And I think that it's so important that everybody has that skill set, whatever area of life they're in, right? Like it worked for me as a photographer, but it just being able to connect with other human beings, being able to be present with other people, you know, before we got, you know, on, uh, on um, camera here, we were talking about, about being able to take compliments, right? And compliments can be difficult for people. And I like to say compliments are like salt, Right. If there's not enough of them, the conversation's kind of bland. And if there's too many of them, then all of a sudden it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm overwhelmed here. So it's like, how do you give and take compliments? And I think, you know, as a photographer, the easiest entree that I ever found to getting someone to make me feel to feel comfortable with me taking their picture was just acknowledging something that I really, truly appreciated about them. Right. Their hair, their eyes, their style, their shoes. I love your work. Right. Because when you're working with celebrities like, oh, my God, it's you like. Can I please get your picture? It's my job, right? So always acknowledging the other person as as just an entree to any conversation is going to help both those types of guys, right? Like the super powerful guys who are kind of like feeling that they're a bit isolated because they're at a certain level where maybe most people don't understand. Always finding a way to acknowledge the other person is a great way to feel connected. Super mm-hmm. easy entree. And for those guys who are, you know, more comfortable in front of screens and video games and that sort of thing, like find something that you genuinely appreciate about the person you're talking to. I really like your hair. I really like the color of your lipstick. I think you look really pretty today. Thank you. Right. And then it is important to pay attention to how the other person takes compliments. 
right? So if they seem uncomfortable with compliments, then clearly like that's not their love language. So you made the effort to acknowledge something. And even if they get a little like, mm, I feel uncomfortable with compliments, it's going to stick with them. It's going to make their day. Everybody likes to hear something that they are, you know, that somebody else appreciates about them. And when somebody gives you a compliment, right, is it's we were talking about this earlier, is to return in kind and not in a phony way, not in a like, yeah, you look great, too. And you don't think so. <laughs> And that one thing that you do genuinely appreciate, say they have great sneakers and clearly they've been out on a bender the night before and like it's not the best day of their life and you don't want to call it out, but you love their sneakers, right? So, wow, love those sneakers. That's funny. You know, there's two things that I I do, I notice on a regular basis and I'm not necessarily doing them on, on purpose. I think it's part of who I am and I've been, I've like worked on this. I do, I love the acknowledgement, like acknowledging people is is a game changer in relationships first of all it takes vulnerability to stop and acknowledge someone especially levels deeper than like i like your hair right or you're pretty right like to go to to really have someone feel seen by you yes fully like right has changes your dynamic in the relationship Mm -hmm. um but it's like i look for things that i like i really like like sneakers so whenever I see somebody in like a cool pair of Jordans, like it doesn't matter if I'm walking past them in Costco or on the street, I'm, I'll just like walk by and I'll be like, awesome shoes, dude. And you yeah. just see them like people get so happy, right? Like in a moment. Yeah. And um, another thing that, that, and this used to come up, I remember when I was single, I had this rule. I was like, I was very, I used to think of myself as like a hunter. I was like going out into the world hunting <laughs> for women. And um and, and I'm not advocating that. I'm just sharing how the truth of how I was. And um, I would, I had this thing that to kind of, I didn't, I like felt like it was so easy for me to like fall on the side of being like, kind of like douchey and like that guy. And I didn't, I was self-aware enough that I didn't want to, but I also didn't want to be like the nice guy who was scared. There was somewhere in the middle that I wanted to play. And I made up this rule for myself once that was like, if you can't find something original to compliment something on, you don't get to talk to her. So it forced me like if I, so if I saw you like across the room and I wanted to talk to you, I had to actually take a moment and like look at you or or feel your energy or whatever to give you something that wouldn't be what every other person would have given you. Right. It can't be just like the nice face. Yeah, whatever. Or like, you know, it's like the person who has beautiful eyes. Everyone tells them like, mm-hmm. I, like you're, you're not, first of all, going to stand out. You're not going to be that impressed. It's like, and it's just, it felt like if you go that way, I'm just going to be like, it, it almost felt like hunting where you're just like shooting wildly. And like, maybe you hit something versus being intentional about what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, But I think the thing that I, that I found as I've, as, as I've evolved and become a better human is to actually compliment people on their energy is the way that they the way they impact the space or the way they make you feel in the space or the way you see them making other people feel and i think that's a really for me it feels so much better too because in the space where we're living we're living in not every woman wants to be just like her looks to be the focus anymore especially in professional situations right it's like we don't do that to men and, and not all women want that and to be aware of that, to say like, to actually focus on something that that we all have, which is an energetic impact. Mm-hmm. And I find that with that like just melts the divide. If you look at someone and you're just like, 
you know, it's like, wow, the wisdom you bring into the space or the power or the joy or the inspiration or the happiness or whatever, all of a sudden, if you can feel someone's energy, they feel really seen by you. Mm -hmm. Well, so I 100% agree with you, but I am going to counter that, Alex, you kind of have that natural energy, right? Where it's really comfortable for people to say yes to you. So for those of the guys in the audience for whom they don't necessarily have that talent or skill right now, telling a woman she has beautiful eyes, you're never going to go wrong. <laughs> you're never going to go wrong if she has a beautiful smile. I mean, those are the two low hanging fruit because I am the seduction expert. So I want the audience to take that. <laughs> but it has to be genuine. The, sure. the very part of it is it has to be genuine. And if you genuinely believe whatever it is that you're complimenting and acknowledging, that goes far deeper than the actual words themselves, right? So it's like, if you're just saying it to say it and you don't feel it genuinely, you could give someone the most deep, vulnerable, soul piercing acknowledgement ever. And they're gonna be like, what do you want from me, <laughs> mm, yeah. right? So, and I also, for you, because that the that's the presence that you are, Alex, but sometimes for some people, that deep level of deep acknowledgement can actually be a bit off-putting. So I think it's sure. best to approach people, yes, to sense their energy. And the easiest way to sense their energy is the quality of eye contact. So if you're making eyes at somebody across the room and you've done it multiple times, and you're both kind of smiling and looking away and laughing and saying hi, then if you don't go over and introduce yourself, you're an idiot. Right. Because those her eyes are literally saying, like, get over here. Yes, I'm saying yes to you because that's women instinctually we will not make eye contact with something that we don't mm. engage with yeah. so if you're trying to make eyes at a girl from across the way and she is just like please stop looking at me and it's pretty obvious this is for you fellas out there to get present to that if you haven't had that meaningful eye contact with somebody please do not approach them i don't care what beautiful soul bearing vulnerable line you have if she has not given you her eyes multiple times plus a little smile and a tiny little shrug you have no entree. But if you do, then you go over and say, I can't help but notice you making eyes at me, right? If you want to be super smooth, you have beautiful eyes, by the way. Well, shit, thank you. I'm Amber. Nice to meet you. What's your name? That's a great, I love that that piece that you just added for for men listening <laughs> that that had that are like really hearing that as like, okay, like I like I I, I agree with you. Like that was one of my as a single was like, hey, can, can I hold or get some eye contact? Mm -hmm. That if I'm just, I used to say it was like, are, are you gonna be like a kamikaze pilot? Like, are you just gonna <laughs> like, like, which is just crashing and burning, right? It's just like a sacrifice. Um, yeah, it sure. tracks you down and reinforces your idea that you're not enough. Cause look, I tried and it didn't go well. Stop. Or, <laughs> or it's like, look how brave I am, but like I I'm brave and I fail, right? But, but, and I think like, hey there, it takes something to just go for it, but it's also like, it's, there's no intention there, right? There's like the other idea of, of what you're saying is like, hey, people actually, we connect in so many different ways. And it's, it's so much of our connection is not, um, oh. is not, is not in language. Um, but we have to be like really present to, I think we know, I know as a guy when I'm checking somebody out and they're, then they are not giving me anything back from mm. across the room. Like you feel that and you can, you could stare a hole through someone. It's not going to make it any different. They're not going to like suddenly change their tune. You do. you do. So one of my, so you were, you were right to point out that I help 
guys go from Clueless to Casanova. And so one of the <laughs> things that guys are guilty of and don't feel attacked, I'm helping you. This is an opportunity to learn something is not paying attention to the signs that women are giving you. Eye contact is the lowest hanging fruit in terms of assessing anyone's interests, romantic or otherwise. Have you ever been in a business meeting with someone and they're not making eye contact with you? It's weird, but it is a communication, right? So if you're trying to catch, you see some beautiful girl walk in the room and you guys catch eyes because who's curious about who's walking into and who's walking in. And then you never make eye contact with her again. Please don't try and hit on her, even though you think she's the most gorgeous thing you've ever seen because she hasn't given you any opportunity to. Because you keep checking her out, you keep looking at her, she's not making eye contact with you. So many guys don't see that and they don't pay attention to that because they're so focused on, I want her. Mm, I want her. I am going to just go for that hunter mentality, right? Um, You know, sadly, us ladies are not prey. We actually require communication and connection. You can't just shoot us and drag us home by our hair. (laughs) But it's about that connection, right? So if you're making eye contact and she's returning it and smiling and just, you know, kind of being coy, look up the word coy if you don't know what it means. That is when you have the right to say hello, right? The consent, right? Because consent is big now. But us ladies still want you to pursue. We don't want you to not, right? And wait for us to do all the work because it's not natural for us to do that. Yeah. Eye contact, easiest way. Open that conversation. So clues to Casanova, lesson number one, quality of eye contact, fellas. You said, oh, this is a good transition to talking about the nice guy versus the good guy, because you talked about, right, hey, we can't just shoot a woman and drag her home by her by by her hair. Wow. And, I heard, and, and I heard there's, um, I, I'm, I'm going to, I'm totally, you know, you know, Omra Pani. Do you know no. Omra Pani is? Omra Pani is a, is a, um, is a dom is like teach like teaches people how to dom and um he uh he has this thing that he i don't know maybe it wasn't maybe it wasn't him i don't now i'm blanking on who it is it's i don't think it was actually him but it was i think it was actually a woman and i, I can't think of her name who said something to she was in a group of women and she was like um i don't know any women that don't want to be well handled by a man and she was like, what she says, and I might be saying it a little wrong, but she was like, every woman like just like lets out a sigh of like relief. And she and and she's not what I love. And if you go in further with this, she's not talking about a man like grabbing you by your hair and dragging you out of a space. There's consent in that in that in that interaction. And the consent is like obvious. This isn't like confusing it. But the idea that the nice guy is like actually can actually hold no ground and hold no space and cannot handle the and let's say the power and magnificence of a woman oh. and then the the um but the good guy can and i think that's like mistaken that we th- we have this thing that it's like the nice guy and the jerk or like the bad boy and the nice guy but there's actually a guy in like in the middle and there's a, it's a spectrum right who i think is strong the the good guy can be strong and powerful and kind and vulnerable and and uh be in partnership but can also have like some grounding and some power and some force and some stability that's your point like you can walk up across a room and be bold and direct yeah yeah and be willing to take the risk i mean yeah thank you for transitioning into the distinction so there's there's the nice guy and there's the good guy 
And I, I mean, there's way more than that, right? And then there's a jerk, right? Like there's a nice guy, good guy, and the jerk. So most guys who identify as nice, and if you're raising your hand right now, it's totally okay. But it's important to understand that what distinguishes a nice guy from a good guy is manipulation. Mm. So both good guys and nice guys have really big hearts and they like to be gen generous, right? They do like to provide, they do like to protect, they have that natural instinct. But the difference is, is that good guys do it because it's the right thing to do. They do it because they that's just who they are. It's their character. They would do it even if they were the last person on a deserted island and there were no other humans in the world, they would do the right thing whatever their definition of right is, but it's sure. because it's who they are. Nice guys, on the other hand, even though they have those big hearts and those generous feelings, is that their generosity and their and their um, kindness, so to speak, come from a place of manipulation. And it's really important to distinguish that. And it's when you give a woman a gift and expect her to be extra grateful. You pay for dinner and you expect her to return the favor through physical means. It's when you sacrifice your man card because you want to embrace her powerful womanness, but at the same time, she takes the lead and you are just kind of riding along with her, making her feel good while secretly resenting her. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay, so the nice guys are the guys who do want to do right, but they are doing it through manipulative means as opposed to being genuine. The good guys do what's right. They care for their woman. They take the lead. They take risks. They are who they are in the world because it's who they are. And then the jerks are the guys who don't give a shit about anybody who take what they want and they treat people like garbage. And I hate to say it. And ladies, for those of you who are listening, if you are attracted to the jerks, it's because you are comfortable with being treated that way. And there's no judgment in that, but rather it's just we oftentimes turn away those sweet, vulnerable guys because we are used to being treated like garbage because of our parents, because of our fathers, because of whatever, because the discomfort is in the comfortable when we meet that actually good guy, sweet guy who wants to take care and be provider, protector, partner, confidant, best friend. It's not familiar, and therefore we're like, ew, I don't feel the spark, but look at this guy who's going to neglect me, who's going to have sex with me and then not call me the next day or breadcrumb me for six months and blah, blah, blah. So, yes, for those of you who love being the jerk, I mean, bless you. It works for you. It's not fulfilling. Fine. For those of you who are the good guys, bully on you. Please help your fellow brothers out and give them the guidance that maybe they didn't get from their fathers about how to be truly masculine men who embrace the protector, provider, you know, leader without being bossy or grabbed by the hair. And then for you nice guys out there, this is why I'm here, right, is to really get present to what it is that you're struggling with. Because oftentimes we become manipulative because we feel unlovable. So we feel that we have to control the narrative. We have to take actions that is going to make someone like us for what we do versus who we are. And that's what I work on with people is like, who are you? And then, you know, do what you do and find people who like it. If you're mm -hmm. trying to convince people to like you, it's not your right audience. It's that simple. I feel like the, um, I like saw this, I was writing this down. Like I saw this as kind of like there's, in, in a row, there's like the nice guy, the good guy and the jerk and the separating difference. Like I had like arrows out to the sides is like truth and integrity exists in the middle. And the, uh, the other ones, it's something else is happening. Um, 
And I was thinking that even as you were saying this, the good guy exists in every category. There's a good guy covered in tattoos who has a Harley, yeah. right? There's a good guy who's a rock star. There's a good guy who's like out in the woods with an ax chopping down trees. There's a good guy who's like a scientist. There's a good guy who's a police officer. There's a good guy who's a fireman, right? Like, and, and inside of all those generic things that I just said, there's also the nice guy and there's also the jerk. Yeah. And that I think that we can sometimes forget that that all exists. I know through like the work my wife does, which is, is different than what you do. She's only works with women, but she talks about how sometimes women will say things to her like, I went out with this guy last night and like, it's just not going to work because he's just not going to be the guy that would like push me up against the wall. And what she notices, what she's told me some really funny stories about how like, because of the, the, the caricature package, the guy's in disbelief is formed and that a with a little time and a little, and a little connection that that guy actually is that guy mm. that you don't always in the first date or the first experience of somebody, we don't always know exactly like who they are, right? We're scared, we're yeah. nervous. There's like a lot of stuff going on. We also don't know where someone is in their life at any given moment, right? You go on a first date with someone and have no idea what what else is happening in their life that might not have them show up as their like best self. Right. Um, but I love that like idea, like especially, I think it resonates so much for me because I remember being young, a young guy thinking, like I had to like fit this like mold, right? I, oh, if I could be, right, we're, we're, we're kids of like, you know, I grew up in the 80s and the 90s and I was like, oh, if I can be like a Zach Morris with tattoos <laughs> and like a little bit more bad boy, that's gonna like, right? I remember that getting put in my skull as like a little boy. Yeah. And that's while some- The girls. Yeah. And while some of it was true and authentic, right there, like there are parts, like I love my tattoos. Like I love who I am. And there were parts of it that were the manipulation. It wasn't from like the night, the like nice guy manipulation. It was even the jerk manipulation. Like it was like dancing in those worlds. Like who did I need to be to get what I wanted, which yeah. was just super inauthentic. And, and that's what had me ultimately feel empty and hollow at the end of all these interactions. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I mean, that's also kind of just growing up, you know, <laughs> growing up, like if you were to sit there and pop out of your mom being like, I know who I am and I know what I'm up to in this world. You know, it's like maybe Mozart, who was a prodigy at five, like it's rare yeah. that anybody just ever pops out. They're like, I don't need to worry about everything else. I know who I am and what I want. So I think we, I think that's a beautiful thing about being young and making mistakes. I mean, that's how we grow. That's how we know who we are. So we make mistakes, but the, the treasure of mistakes is that you made it once. Don't make it twice. Don't I make made, it. I made the many, 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 many. Right. And we do, <laughs> we all do. I mean, I'm super guilty of that, but that's the thing is that every time you do it, hopefully you've learned something from the previous time and then the previous time. But that's the thing is like, that's when we seek out support. We, we seek out therapists. We seek out coaches. We seek out communities. We seek out men's groups. It's because we get that we're kind of stuck on this roller coaster, this loop, this thing that's just kind of never ending. And it's not fun anymore. Yeah. Right. Because sometimes drama and heartbreak and tragedy, it's kind of fun. Right. In its own weird way. And then all of a sudden you get to an age where you're like, fuck this. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm tired. 
I just want a partner. I want someone to share my life with. I want my best friend. I want somebody who gets me. I want somebody I can talk to who, you know, I get them and it's just safe. It feels safe. It feels safe. Right. Like that's what we're all going towards. But yeah, if we don't have that third party to sit there and say, you're doing that thing again. Yeah. Right. Where you say you want an available female and then you go for the woman who tells you she's only available on weekdays, not weekends. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Right. So it's why you have somebody in your world that can kind of point out the flapping red flags, because like when someone's giving us attention, you know, making us feel like we're enough, it's hard to say no to. Let me let's touch on this really quick because we've been talking about it, but we haven't broken it down. And I want you to share because when when we hear when I hear seduction, I've read, you know, like books on seduction and I've read books on manipulation. I don't know that I've read any books on coercion, but but, but I think like the the general public, without putting a lot of energy and thought into it, they're very like the lines between them can be like very thin. So mm -hmm. will you describe like what is genuinely the difference between seduction, coercion and manipulation? Yeah, 100%. So I like to define seduction as inspiring someone to say yes to something that they already want to say yes to with a sexy twist, right? So if you want to take out the sexy twist, it's enrollment. It's enrollment. You're talking to somebody and you're sharing something and they're like, oh, I want that for myself. And you're like, great, I'm the person to give it to you. <laughs> okay, so that's seduction at its highest level. Manipulation, on the other hand, is getting someone to say yes to something they don't really want to say yes to. Right. So that's when you're like, let me just say enough pretty words or show enough like, you know, flash enough cash gold treasure that they're like okay yeah maybe i can do this and say yes to this consciously or subconsciously but nobody feels good about it hmm. the manipulator does but the manipulated they know they're re being manipulated one way or the other and it doesn't feel good seduction's fun okay like you might have buyer's remorse but <laughs> the well, there's a lot there's a lot of what i love about those two specifically is like there's a lot of manipulation in sales Oh, we're just trying to get the sale and convince somebody of something and, and maybe it works out maybe it doesn't but it's like literally how do i get this thing that person to this thing mm -hmm. and when when i'm working with people or training them on becoming more enrolling about things right it's that opposite it's like hey no you're actually a lot getting people to align with the things that they already want and helping them see that well uh, and, you, and you nailed it with truth and integrity right if you have truth and integrity as the foundation on which you're seducing somebody i mean hello and seducing in the romantic world and rolling in the professional world and you deliver that thing that you're promising them that's the difference too is it seduction like there is there is a delivery of something right yeah. so whether it's love it's romance it's sex it's whatever is that there is a delivery of something whereas a manipulation like yeah you got someone to say yes but you don't actually deliver that thing that you promised you were going to deliver. This thing, this keeps going too. I like, I, I think about whether it be seduction or enrollment, like even into your relationships, like in a great partnership, the partners are in continue to enroll each other in things. So, or seduce each other into things. So like, you know, I was th I'm thinking about like in my relationship, like there's something I want that on the surface, my wife might be like, oh, we don't need that. We don't want that. But right. if I can get her to see how it's actually beneficial, like mm -hmm. and I'll just play with a simple thing of, I really want a cold plunge. And I talk about wanting a cold plunge, whatever. And my wife is just like, we don't need this. You know, like we do not need this thing. And then, but what's shifted is I've been cold plunging outside of our home. 
And my wife is seeing how lit up and how inspired and how happy I am. She comes to me the other day and she goes, I think we should get a cold plunge. And I was like, and I I enrolled (laughs) her. I seduced her into this because, but, and now she, and I was like, why? And she was like, because I I really believe mental health is like so important for all of us. And she's like, you're your best self when you're cold plunging. Mm. Right. And, and what happens if I'm my best self? Well, she gets, she gets that. Right. So I didn't sell her anything. I wasn't like, these are all the benefits whatever. I just went and got like, like went in and and became the person that had the thing and that like lit up and she saw possibility in that. She said yes to something. She was inspired to say yes to something that she already wanted to say yes to. And it wasn't necessarily the cold plunge, but it was like the Alex cold, you know, post. (laughs) Okay. And then tell us about coercion. Yes. So coercion is forcing someone to say yes. That's it. It's very simple. Mm. Forcing someone to say yes. And then, of course, like the very dark, deep end of it. And this is a terrible word, but raping somebody right like just taking Extreme. it yeah care if they say yes or not right wait, so, so would, would you say wait t- taking it is also coercion or is that just like another make coercion is making someone say yes yeah they don't want to say yes but you're yeah. going to basically bribe you know extort them bribe them threaten them whatever yeah. to get them to say yes whereas yeah. I mean, it's generally a special term, but it can happen in every context. It's just forcing someone into something, whether they, there is no consent. There is no yes. Right. I think that's really important to be aware of too, because, you know, this is, that's a different topic to talk, talk on, but going from clueless to Casanova is also being very, very aware of all of those subtle distinctions. When someone is saying yes, because they're inspired to, so they do want to say yes, but they need a little, you know, a little nudging, so to speak. When someone says yes, they don't really want to, but you've kind of convinced them to, and like maybe it works out, maybe it doesn't. Being forced to say yes, so it's like you want this drink. Like I'm gonna make you feel super uncomfortable until you say yes. Mm-hmm. To I want to buy you. Okay, I'll say yes because I'm uncomfortable, but I don't really want to be here. But I'll say yes to it versus like literally pouring something down someone's throat without them. Yeah. Any sort of green light. Do you talk, do you like work with men at all on, I don't want to say this, I'm going to kind of explain it, but like, like understanding the mindset that a woman is in already. Like I had, I remember when, when like everything was happening in the media around me too things, Mm -hmm. I remember having this thought like around, um, I wonder where I was like, where I like had power and didn't realize it or like, right. I started to like actually think about my own life and like where maybe I wasn't my best self where I like, you know, like had up, like been, I like to think, and I, I again, I don't know. I like to think that like, I never did anything like horrible to a woman. Right. Like, I, I don't, I don't know. Cause I don't, I, but I like to think that like, for the most part, and I thought about times in my life, and this is like vulnerable to talk about on a thing where like, Hey, you had a date, things were going well. Maybe the person like didn't know how to leave or maybe they didn't know, like they weren't, they were like afraid to speak their truth or whatnot. Mm. And while again, I think like, I don't think I was like a horrible person and I don't, I never raped and murdered anyone to my own knowledge. Um, But, but, but I, but but it had me think about like, I don't, in like hearing women's stories, right. And listening to a perspective that I can't have as a man, I was like, man, it must, 
there's times where women are in their space, like have not been taught how to powerfully say no, don't know how, are afraid to. There's so many scenarios. And it simply made me go, it, it like had me readjust. And like, if I had a son, like how I would want to work with him on like really checking in and like being more aware of, of where women are at in certain situations. When you're working with men, right, you can make a man very seductive. And it could have him in theory, not I'm not saying you do this, but it could have him ignore those things and not realize where he has like power or control in a way that he doesn't have it. Do you like play with this? And to not ever be be aware of that. But yes, I think it's a great, it's a great quest. It's a great question. So I, there's a book that I recommend. Can I plug a book? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Jen Sincero, where is my copy? I hope you're watching this and listening to this because you are a godsend. She wrote a book called The Straight Girl's Guide. Whoa. <laughs> I did not know she wrote that book. That's amazing. Yes, this is actually her first book. And then she wrote You Are a Badass. You're a badass with money. She's great. She's a great thought leader. So that she wrote this book and it was, yes, for straight girls on how to sleep with women, right? So, cause we get hit on all the time, you know, by the same sex and it's flattering, but if you're not into women, but curious, it's like, I, I have the equipment, but I don't know what to do with it. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I love this book because, and may I be just blunt here? Yeah, yeah, yeah please. There's no penis involved. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's like, you learn the anatomy of a woman, you learn the techniques and tips and tricks and tools and all the things that you've been born with to please a woman, to get her to come. And I promise you, if you fellas wait for her to come first, even if it's just once, you will already up yourselves to Casanova status. And if you don't know how to do that, buy this book. And if you still want help, then that's when you call me. Okay. <laughs> but yes, is when you can sit there and think about sex without thinking with your penis to start. Mm empower yourself in such an amazing way because you guys and again like i'm generalizing this isn't specific obviously and i don't know everybody and everybody's different but most men kind of think like well if i'm turned on she's turned on and if my dick is hard then she must be wet and then they kind of just start thinking with their small brain not really following their big brain and then all of a sudden they kind of get in there and they think well she's not saying no she's not pushing me away I'm in her. So, okay, I guess we're doing good things. And then he comes and then it's like, well, that was fun. Meanwhile, your partner may be over there going like, what the fuck just happened? So I really advocate for you guys to get consent along the way. Pay attention to her body language. If she's melting, I think the easiest way to assuage consent with body language she's melting into you. She's melting into your kisses. She's melting into your arms. She's really present and just like, letting you touch her in a way that she feels soft and warm versus a woman who does not want to be touched, even though her mouth is not saying so she's going to be stiff. She's going to be cold. She's not going to be reciprocating. And she's, it's, it is really easy to tell. So for those of you guys who are concerned, if you can't, then you should absolutely have a conversation with me about that. But the point is, is that if you, if you focus on taking care of your partner first, then you're generally in good shape. Now, I know there's a lot of sex coaches out there and say orgasm is the point, it's about being with your partner, whatever. We're talking about kind of like initial <laughs> seduction stages, right? This isn't like you've been with your partner for a really long time, even though consent still matters always, right? Not because you've been together forever, you get access just whenever you want. But it's really just focusing on your partner and her pleasure. And when you can kind of get that, and if she's not, and she doesn't seem like she's enjoying it, just stop, just stop, you know? And if she seems like she's really into it, then you keep going. 
One of my favorite ways to get the first kiss started for those of you who have struggled with getting the first kiss started is write this down. I really want to kiss you right now. When you're ending the date in the middle of the date, you look at her lips, you look at her and say, I really want to kiss you right now in a very matter of fact way. And then it gives her the choice to say, well, what's stopping you, which means yes. Right. Or if she says, I'd really rather you didn't, <laughs> <laughs> then you've gotten a no. Right. But it's, it's up to her. Cause like when a guy asks, can I kiss you right now? It, I don't, it just makes an awkward mm. situation. It's very nice guy. Right. Mm. It's very nice guy. So a simple going from nice guy to good guys. Can I kiss you right now? Kind of, it's put you in a weak position, even though you feel like you're taking leadership. Whereas if you say, I really want to kiss you right now. And then she'll say, well, get over here. Or she'll be like, please don't. Or she'll be like, maybe later. <laughs> yeah. That's a so, really, I mean, that's, that's, that's yeah. a really great, like, just like subtle perspective switch. Like you're still, yes, you're not asking like a direct question, like a yes or no question. Yeah, but but yeah. But you're putting something out there that somebody gets to like have a response to. I had a um I was sharing with someone, I, I think one of the funniest things that men do and they and men men relate to it like it shows how powerful they are. Men will like be like, I won't, I'm not gonna tell her I love her, or like I won't do it before I I, you know, I'm I'm she, you know, she can do whatever, but I'm not gonna and it's kind of like a power play. Mm. And I often think that it's it's often the men who portray themselves as like the the most masculine are the ones like the stingiest with like the love. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really funny because I relate to one of the core aspects of true masculinity is courage and bravery. Mm -hmm. And courage and bravery means that you're putting yourself in a situation where you don't know what's going to happen, that you're like literally putting yourself out there and it might not go well. Yeah. But if you know it's going to go well. Or if you already know the answer, or you have it, then that's you're not being courageous or brave. You yeah. have to be risking something to be courageous or brave. My, my favorite definition is it's action in the face of fear. For courage, yeah, yeah, and yeah. Brave. action in the face of fear. Yeah. Like you wouldn't be courageous if it were if you weren't afraid. You'd just be yeah. doing. <laughs> well, and to and to and there's almost in intimate relationships or in relationships, there's almost nothing like scarier than saying, I love you first, like putting that out there or put, right, whatever, like, because you don't necessarily know. Now, sometimes we think we know, right? Sometimes we think we know, sometimes it seems more obvious, but I, I think about how um, the first kiss can be like that, that scary moment for people of like, I'm putting myself out there. Um, the, like, whatever the making the move is like transitioning from like kissing to like the next thing it fully requires you to like, kind of like open yourself up to rejection. And to me, that shows me how much of a man you are. Like, are you willing to be in that space? Well, so confidence is one of my five pillars that I coach people through. And confidence is the ability to trust yourself. Mm. And in order to be courageous and brave, not in order to, but that makes it work is that you have confidence, meaning you trust yourself. Mm -hmm. So you may tell a woman that you love her and she goes, thank you. That's nice. Okay. And it's soul crushing. But when you have confidence, you understand, okay, well, maybe she just needs a little time and it, this is a slow burn and I know who I am and I know how wonderful I am and I'm confident she's going to return it when she's ready or I'm confident enough in myself to know that if this woman, after all of the time that we've spent together and everything that she we've done, if she's still not ready to say, I love you to me, that I can walk away. 
and know that I have a lot to offer the person who is ready to say I love you to me. And when you say I love you to someone and they go, oh my God, I love you too, right? You trust the fact that you are who you are. You are the wonderful person. You've chosen the right person to whom you say I love you that they return it. And you're like, fuck yeah, next level. Well, here's even, here's another addition to this. Are you saying I love you to get it back? Or are you saying it because it's your truth? And exactly. I, that to well, me is like- yeah, it's like, so I'm guy, not... I love you for manipulation. Good guy, I love you because I genuinely do. I'm not flipping you off. Yeah, I, yeah. And then the jerk is, I love you because I want something. I'm gonna take it from you, or like, I'm gonna with, or I'm gonna withhold it because it gets me something, right? Like it has right, withholding it. All after me, right? She yeah. says I love you, and he's like, yeah, that's nice. And she's like, oh my god, what can I do to make you love me? I think that there's like I I've had this conversation with 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 few people that I've worked with, like where and and friends actually too where it's like they're they they're like oh, i want someone to say it first or i don't know or whatever and it's like are you saying is this a transaction like is are you saying it because you feel like it to me i relate to i love you as a gift yeah and a gift yeah. is in theory and a true gift you actually don't have to take you can be like i don't i actually don't want what you're giving me <laughs> like people think that a gift is something you have to there's a there's a psychological um i forget i don't know if this came from harvard but like they, they it's like a business school thing where they would be like they would ask people if somebody gives you a white elephant as a gift what do you do and the thing was it was it was i think it was in law or business because the idea of a true gift you don't have to accept and then people would be like, oh my God, I, if I had an elephant, I would like, they'd try to solve all these problems. And the idea was you don't actually understand that you could just say no, and then you don't have to do anything. Sure. And I love the idea that like a gift isn't something that comes with any strings attached. It doesn't require anything to come back. It, it's not a transaction. It's it's a, I'm giving this to you because I want to, because that's, that, that is my desire. Now, if you give me something back, wonderful. Yeah. But if you don't say it back or you don't give me something back, that's actually totally acceptable and normal yeah well and that's it then that's the risk you take right so that's you know if you say i love you because it's your character it's just who you are you genuinely feel it and you say it and then you're not going to be worried about if somebody doesn't respond why because you said it because you meant it not because you're yeah. expecting anything in return if you say i love you and then you get all anxious about the fact that they haven't returned it it's like well what is it that actually had you say it and if it was because you genuinely love this person then love on them even if they reject you, even if they say no to you, even if whatever, like you can love is one of those things where people act like it's precious in the sense that it's finite. It's like going yeah. to the ocean. I think this is Wayne Dyer, maybe who said this, but it's like going to the ocean with a teaspoon and like scooping up your little teaspoon and being precious about it and walking away from the ocean and hoping you don't spill it. And then when you trip and you spill it, it's like, oh, my God. My teaspoon of ocean is gone and now I'm fucked for the rest of my life. It's a fucking ocean. Love is ocean. Love is ocean. Love you can go and swim in it. You can go and get lost in it. You can sit there and go for, you know, four months swimming and you'll never hit the other side. Like love is ocean. So if you give your love, you profess your love, you share your love with someone and they don't return it, then you get the empowered choice of saying, I'm going to continue to wait for this person to maybe love on me because they have a void in attachment style. They're a slow burn. Like there's reasons <laughs> to like wait for someone to return the I love you. Or I say I love you and this person is clearly never going to say it. They don't value me. They're taking me for granted. Then you get the choice of walking away. 
I think that's something that we we really forget in dating is that we put the onus on other people to tell us who we are and what our self-worth is and how interesting and valuable of a person we are. And then when somebody rejects us, my favorite analogy is this, is if you might be the most amazing opera singer in the world, the most beautiful voice, like you bring people to tears, amazing. But you go in front of a punk audience who's expecting a punk show and you start singing opera, they will throw beer at you. They will, okay? And you can't sit there and get that, like, oh, if I only sing harder, that these people will stop throwing beer at me. No, they want punk music. You're an opera singer. Or worse, what people will do, and this is a nice guy mentality, is I'm the most amazing opera singer, but I really want these punk people to like me, so I'm going to start learning to sing punk. Stop it. Go to the people who love opera. So, okay, so let's. I want to hear you some, like, kind of rapid-fire things that I'm curious, like what you would, what you would say. So what are the, what are the top like five biggest mistakes men do in dating? They don't manage their grooming and hygiene. So they don't check their breath. They don't trim their nose hairs. They don't trim their eyebrows. They have dirty fingernails. Their shoes are dirty. They have spots on their clothes. Their clothes are wrinkled. They don't smell right. They wear too much cologne. They have stuff in their teeth. Way more than five. (laughs) that's just the first one okay the Uh, second one is the eye contact thing if you can master the art of eye contact you will have a much better time of dating not only introducing yourself to strangers but also when you're on a date with someone and you're just kind of making that deep meaningful eye contact with someone it's very sexy mm of all the right words but if you can make meaningful eye contact that's a great i mean hello the third is the first kiss and visit like physicality. So I always say sit next to each other at the bar so you can read her body language and very quickly you can tell it by proximity and pivot. So if she has turned away from you and she has her feet pointed away from you, she is not into you and she's pulling away. Don't try and kiss her. Don't ask her out for a second date. Pay for the date. Get out of there. But if she is like turned at the bar and she's looking at you and her feet are on your bar stool, you're an idiot if you don't try and kiss her at the end of the night. Uh, number four is starting to take people for granted. You know, it's like when somebody likes you, all of a sudden you feel like you can, you have to, you don't have to work as hard for their time and attention. But if you find them attractive, most likely other people will find them attractive. So if you want to keep your partner and she's especially like a 10 on your list, then keep making the effort. And number five is, uh, yeah, just shooting your shot, you know, along with the eye contact. A lot of guys will sit there and get really frustrated because girls aren't into them, but the, they don't put the effort in to get women's attention to begin with. Mm. So. Wait, so I have a question. So I used to do this thing and I did it like pretty consciously where, because I was, ba- I like f- was always focused on the body language and um, I would sit at the bar with a woman on like a date, whatever. And, and sometimes it it could have been like, we were in a booth or a table, like, and I would, if, if I liked her, if I didn't like her, I wouldn't, but if I like was into it, I liked her, I would open myself up. So I might turn and put like my foot on her stool. So I'm sort of like, there's like a space, right. My legs are kind of like spread a little bit and there's a space and I'm not like, she's not in that space. Right. Or I would kind of like put my arm, like open my body up on the back of like the booth. And it wasn't like, I didn't lean into her space. I just created the space and I would look for, does she, I'm creating a space. Does she step into it? Yeah. Um, step out of it. Yeah, totally. If she stayed forward, well, that was like a really good sign. She was not feeling what I would, the space I was creating. 
put your arm around and she's like scooch 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 <laughs> totally it's, it's even if they don't even if it wasn't even if they moved because that could even be uncomfortable and awkward it was like do they lean even if they just turned into it right it didn't have to be because I, I was always aware like the the pace that we go is all different right somebody might be slow they might be into you and they might move slower yeah but if they're like straight ahead and I'm open to them, that's not good. And if they're not even like turning, yeah. like if somebody was talking to me like side faced, yeah. like that's not a good sign. Comfortable. Yeah. It's the pivot. It's the pivot. I call that the pivot. If they pivot towards you, they're interested in you. Cause we turn, you know, we turn our bodies in attention. And I think it's, um, oh, I'm not going to remember his name now, but he's an FBI. He's an FBI profiler guy who talks about body language and I love his books and I'm ashamed. I can't remember his name right now. Yeah, Chris. Um, no, something or other. Um, well, I know. Yeah, go ahead. We'll figure it out in the edit, right? <laughs> but he says the most honest part of the human body is the feet because mm -hmm. we don't think about our feet, right? Like we, we can, we can, we can fake with our faces and we can fake with our hands and we can even fake, you know, like being close to somebody, but we inevitably keep our feet turned away from people that we don't want to give our, our, full attention to and I actually learned this as a photographer so we even back before becoming a seduction coach was that I would look I could tell across the room who came to the party with whom because even if they were talking to this group of people that person would inevitably keep one foot pointed towards their partner what was, a cool what a cool party trick yeah a cool party trick where you could see like you could walk walk up to a trio of people and see who liked each other and who didn't mm. right where their feet were pointed so yeah if she's got her feet on your bar stool then she is pointing her feet directly towards you because she may even have her chest and her face pointed towards you and maybe leaning on the counter or the bar or whatever but if her feet are point painted pointed straight forward you're not quite there yet so okay. yeah body language is essential essential let's flip it so top five mistakes women make Oh, falling in love too easily. I mean, we fantasize about weddings after the first date. So that's bad. Um, ignoring men's red flags because we think that with enough love and kindness and patience that he'll change. Um, not being in communication with guys. I mean, it's fun to be pursued. But yeah, you know, guys like to feel that they are uh, desirable as well. So when you initiate text or initiate dates or initiate sex, like men really, really appreciate that. Um, yeah, falling for jerks. I mean, I know that we all have our childhood traumas that are very comfortable for us to repeat in our romantic lives. And if you find yourself dating the same jerk with the same, you know, different jerks, no, the same jerk with different faces over and over again, please get therapy. Because there are so many wonderful, nice guys out there that you should be dating that will love on you. And last but not least is height. Height. There are so many amazing men who are below five nine that are just waiting to love on you and spoil you. And because you demand that he's over six feet tall, which is only fourteen percent of the male population, by the way, you are missing out on some amazing, wonderful partners. That's so funny. I love that. That's so. <laughs> I love when uh, when you're on apps and the things. I mean it tells the story of who someone is by what they put on their, but that oh, yeah. it, it tells some story. And I remember being on apps dating and like the things like, if you're not this or you're not this, or women would put like, must be six feet or, you know, and, and guys would 
do all their right this is not just a woman thing guys would have their stuff or the way that that we what we made seem important something i i often tell people is like if you're on your first date and you're talking about what movies you like and what music you like you're literally wasting your time none of that shit matters like it's fun like you get to know it we want to know it but i'm more of the like Hey, let's actually talk about, let's actually get, if you really want a partner, right? If you're just looking for fun, talk about whatever you want. But if you're looking for a partner, let's actually get into the shit that really matters in life. Because if we connect on it, it's good. There's going to be something there. And if we don't connect, we save ourselves a lot of time and it doesn't have to be like serious and whatever, right? There can still be seductive energy and personality and charisma in like heavier conversations. Yeah. You don't want to treat it like a job interview. No, but I want to know who somebody is and I want to get like, you know, when, when I think I shared with you, you know, when Evan and I met through this contest I created, Mm -hmm. one of the coolest things was because it was a contest and it was like a limited like time frame that like my judges had to pick who the winning woman was. Mm -hmm. We had to actually get to like what our values were, what we believe politics, religion, like where we wanted to live. Did you want to have kids? That stuff happened in like a, in like a, uh, in like a pressure cooker. Which all of a sudden made it, while it was intense for a moment, it all of a sudden was like, wait, now we get to get to the fun stuff because we're like actually aligned. Yeah. Well, that, and that's what I do. That's what I do as a dating and love life coach is I, I teach my clients how to do that for themselves, right? So you're actually swiping on people with whom there's real potential as opposed to she just has a nice face and cute boobs, Okay. First of all, and then second, uh, as a matchmaker, right? Because I do private matchmaking as well. It's the same exact things. Like, what is it that's important to you? What do you value? What sort of partnership are you looking for? Where do you see yourself in three years? What kind of relationship do you want to have? And then when I'm interviewing people and they are aligned, not on 100% of things, but, you know, like 60 to 80%, that that's when you make the introduction. Because then it's like, oh, I already know that this person has been vetted. I already know that they've kind of asked those hard-hitting questions that are kind of uncomfortable to ask on the first date. I mean, Alex, you're so bold, and I, I love that men have you as somebody to turn to for just how to step into that powerful masculine energy. But there's a lot of guys out there who aren't quite there yeah. yet. Yeah. Like, it's not always easy to ask those deep, vulnerable questions on the first date. So asking about movies and stuff is great. Why? Because if somebody sits there and says Jaws is their favorite movie or like Steel Magnolias is their favorite movie or, you know, like it gives you kind of idea of how they like to spend their imagination, right? Like we spend time, we spend money and we spend imagination. And mm. somebody likes horror movies and like, okay, it tells you something. <laughs> Final thoughts. What do you want to, what do you want to say or share that I haven't asked you about or that you just feel called to put in this space? Oh, that's such a great question. No, I'm so honored to be here with you. And I just love the work that you're doing with men. And I think it's so important to be able to support you fellows out there. And, you know, and I think too, I mean, you kind of hit on it earlier, but I'll expand a little bit. It's just being an attractive woman, you know, it's like, I'm kind of on the, I'm on the, I'm behind enemy lines, so to speak, right? So when you work with a coach like me, I can kind of help you understand what women are looking for. Mind you, we're all different, right? There's going to be some people in this audience who are listening going like, what the hell is she talking about? I don't agree. (laughs) But that's fine, right? Because not everybody has the same opinion. But I think it's really valuable 
you know, because there's a lot of male coaches out there for dating, which are great. And I there are some that I actually highly recommend. And there are others who I think are abominations and super toxic. But I think it's worth it to be able to have a conversation with a woman who can really hear you, get you, see you, understand you and give you the skills, technology, advice, ways of being that are actually going to empower you in your love life. Because, you know, there's three things that people are always focused on, right? It's health, wealth. It's health, wealth and, and love. That's it. Right. I mean, everything else kind of falls under that one way or the other. So, you know, we kind of talked about it off camera, but it's if you learn the skills of seduction, if you learn how to be present in with other people, it's not just going to impact your dating life. It's going to impact everywhere when you can be present with people. And even if you're in in a meeting, like a professional meeting, like you make different kinds of eye contact, but you can still gauge someone's level of interest based on their eye contact. So anyway, that was kind of a bit of a tangent, but I just, I really so love that there are people like you and me, Alex, out in the world who are supporting people and helping them become their best selves. Because, you know, it's like, if I put my hands like this on either side of my head, I can't see them when I'm looking at you, but you and everyone else out there can see them very easily. And that's what having a support network is like. So, you know, if you keep doing that same thing over and over again, and it's starting to drive you crazy, you're getting frustrated, you don't know where to turn, that's when you turn to experts. And I think there's something really um, for 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 men specifically. Like one of the things I notice is sometimes like act the access point is great through a woman. Like we actually feel safer yeah. with with a woman's energy at the beginning, yeah. and then I think that you have to actually graduate to then go be with a man because yeah. like if you're that that like it's it's kind of like we need to go into the discomfort. And sometimes to your point, like we're all at different places. So you know, I remember I don't think I would have got into coaching if my first coach wasn't a woman like i felt safe to be vulnerable whereas all my stories about masculinity felt like it wasn't safe to be vulnerable with men but then i remember hitting a place where realizing this is a really big gap the fact that i can't be vulnerable with men is impacting my life in all these other ways and then it was like oh i need to go be and and i think it can it can be the opposite right it can be it can work both ways that um sometimes access to to support is through a man first like that's where you feel more comfortable and then it's like hey you actually need to go be with a woman in a vulnerable space so you can learn how to do that and i i love it it's it's like practice you know being with people working with you is it's just like playing for a sports team you're the coach you're like helping them work on the thing that Yeah. Yeah. And at different points in people's careers, they need different kinds of coaches and different kinds of support. Um, So I I love the idea that like looking at like where, where you find yourself uncomfortable, like, and, and go to that thing. Yes. Um, Yeah. And and if you can, it's an investment, it's not spending money, it's investing in yourself. You know, it's really taking that thing where it's like, I mean, because you can do it yourself, right? Like you can do all the same research and read the same books that Alex and I have and, you know, it's all out there. Or you can work with somebody who's an expert who's already done the reading for you and has distilled it into a framework <laughs> that you can follow so that you get those results faster, right? Even because some people say, oh, it's kind of shameful to hire a coach, especially for dating. Shouldn't I already know how to do this? And isn't that something natural? No, absolutely not. It's like somebody who's like a great runner 
but they want to be an Olympic athlete. Like they know that they have to hire a coach if they want to go to the Olympics. They can run their little hearts out, but they can't get to gold unless they have that sports network. It's just impossible. You can take your little hearts out, but. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there are some people who are lucky, right? And you meet somebody and they hit it off. Wonderful. But for those of you who struggle with communication, being the nice guy, you know, like not understanding the balance between the nice guy and the jerk, like that's, that's my sweet spot. I can help everybody. You know, I mean, you guys are welcome to set up a free mini session with me and we can find out. But at the end of the day, you know, it's like my sweet spot is the guys who want to be the good guy. That's it. So let's tell everyone uh, they can find you on Instagram, the underscore Sedux, S-E-D-U-X-E. Mm-hmm. Um, you're on, I'm assuming you're just like on all the platforms. I'm not going to yeah, list them all right here. We'll put it, we'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. And I have a fun little quiz that's on my website that kind of gives you a little bit more clarity around what kind of data you are. Um, And then I also have a really fun guide for those of you who have been struggling with online dating, as in you're not getting many or any matches. It's a very basic guide on the do's and taboos of your dating profile photos, because I cannot tell you how many profiles I go through and go, oh, this guy needs my help. (laughs) (laughs) Photos are Um... Photos are first. So if you are struggling with that, please go get the free guide over on my website, thesedux.com. Thanks for being here, Amber. Appreciate you. Um, thanks for having a fun conversation. Um, oh, that yeah. also, I think, provides a lot of value. Thank you. And thank you so much for having me. I mean, I so appreciate and acknowledge the work that you do because I think you're right. You know, it's always it's always the next level, always looking for the next level. So I'm happy I'm happy to know you and be part of your world and you part of mine. Everyone listening, go um, go check out Amber's work. Um, she has so much content just on her Instagram alone. There are so many things there. Thank you for listening. You can always reach out to me at alex at thedreammason.com. You can follow me at thedreammason.com. And we'll see you next time. Ciao for now. Thanks for listening. Honestly, I'm just a rebel who found a cause and has a dream, and I'm super grateful for your support. If you got anything from this, please help me out and share this podcast with one person today. You can find me at thedreammason.com or at inspirationalalex on Instagram. You are a dream mason because your dreams don't build themselves.